0: Hey, good evening, Rock Church, that was weak. good evening, so good to be with you, to hear you worship, God, it's just such a, a joy, uh, it's a privilege to be here with you, my name's Mickey, uh, part of the pastoral team, Mickey Stonier, or Stonier either way, I'm good, I'm good, uh, just don't, Mickey Stoner, Pastor Stoner doesn't work well, okay, so don't, don't go there, um, you know, I want to welcome uh, just not only those uh, that are here, but also the microsites around San Diego. We have uh, churches literally all over San Diego where people are gathering and laundry mats, different places where we're broadcasting the services. So uh, I want to welcome them also here with us. Um, but I want to, our pastor is, uh, uh, we'll be back in a couple weeks, but he often will lead us in prayer as we start our services to be on our knees, to position our hearts. So if you're physically able, I wanna ask you to join me as we get on our knees to ask uh, for God's blessing that we would have listening ears uh, to the Lord today. So thank you, thank you. Lord, we're we're here because of you. We're here uh, not so much of what we desire and what we can get, but to bring you glory and let us be fully satisfied in who you are and so I I pray that this evening we would have open hearts, listening ears to hear what your spirit would say to us and for those online, for those here in Point Loma, God we we just ask that our hearts would be humbled in a place to receive as much as we are in a posture of humility that our, our lives and hearts, our minds would be yielded to you and so just Make us a pleasure to you as you would reveal your son, Jesus Christ, as we exalt him. And pray that as you are lifted up, you will draw us all to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, As you're standing, why don't you go ahead and give someone a hug. Get in your seats there. It's an honor to to be with you this evening. If you have your Bible, I ask you to turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 10, uh, or your smartphones, uh, your iPad, your dumb phone, whatever. Uh, The Gospel of John, we're going to take a portion of Scripture out. Your study guide is there in the bulletin. The title of our message is Abundant Life, which comes from verse 10, the heart of this passage, and I I believe the heart of God. And... um, You know, I want to share, there's a woman in this church that I know real well. Uh, She grew up in what you would call a dysfunctional family, a family of seven children. Uh, Her mother got pregnant out of wedlock as a teenager, and then every year thereafter uh, had children each year. And when this woman was four years old, her mother had mental illness, her mother was molested as a child, and sometimes the manifestations of that, she was uh, a multiple personality. She would actually, the older siblings would see the mother actually change just into a different person, and uh, because of those dynamics, she actually ground up glass and put it in her husband's meatloaf, tried to kill him. At that point, she was institutionalized. Eventually, the, the uh, father divorced uh, the children's mother. She was in a care facility for mental illness. At one point, she got out and made her way down to San Francisco where she wrote a letter to her kids and she took her own life jumping off the Golden Gate Bridge when this woman was eight years old. She has no memory, physical memory, of ever seeing her mother or being around her mother Uh, since four years old. Her mother was gone and struggling. And so you can imagine the family, they all got into drugs. The kids all went separate directions. They were in foster care for part of the season, part of their upbringing. And then her younger brother dropped out of school when he was in junior high. She dropped out of school when she was a senior in high school. Just got a job, was working, lived on her own, eventually moved in with a guy, was engaged, broke that off, and made her way down to San Diego. Uh, Worked at a card room here on El Cajon Boulevard, dealing cards, legally dealing cards and ended up developing a relationship with the owner of the card room who was fairly wealthy and uh, moved in with him, was engaged, and her life was just kind of all different directions, the siblings all different directions, and then her brother comes to faith in Jesus Christ, and he gave his brothers and sisters a Bible Well, this woman, she eventually had her Bible, and it was an afternoon. She was sitting by a pool, opened the Bible, thought she'd read it. She was raised in the Catholic Church, but it was religion. It wasn't like something relevant to her as who she was. And so she started reading the Bible and was converted through reading Scripture. And God started to transform her life. Uh, She moved out broke up with her fiancé and started coming to church and started to grow and kept reading the Scriptures and experiencing just an amazing transformation. Now, I know this woman really well because I married her. It's my wife. And I just want to share that she is a living testimony to me of the power of God, what God can do through his Scriptures, through faith, Because if you knew her, and those of you that know her, she's very involved in ministry, counseling, mentoring, uh, leads the online prayer ministry, you would think she was raised a Christian. If anyone should have baggage and all the triggers that are there from trauma and a past and dysfunction, it should be my wife. But to God alone is the glory. Now, she's not perfect. I mean, her taste in men, obviously, she ended up with me. Uh, uh, That should explain a lot right there, but... Uh, I, I want to invite you this, this evening, as we just have a short time together, to open your hearts to what God's love desires to do in and through all of you. Some of you maybe are not real close with God. and Maybe some of you have once been closer and now you've drifted. In fact, I, I know if you've been once closer to God than you are today, in a sense you're maybe backslidden, not even aware of that. But know this. God loves you just the way you are. As you come to him in faith and give him the lordship of your life, allow him to be the God he is in your life. He loves you and will accept you the way you are. But he loves you so much he won't leave you the way you are. It's his desire for us to experience this richness in love, the richness of life of which John talks about. In fact, in chapter 20, in verse 31, John tells why he wrote this gospel. He said, I, I've written these words. I testify of all these. He was there. He saw it with his eyes. He heard it with his ears. He was there with Jesus. He says, I share this with you that you would believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And so pick up with me in chapter 10, uh, starting in verse 7. Verse 7 it says, and then Jesus said to them again, most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Well, I need to back up here because it says Jesus said to them again. So why was he saying it to them again? Well, the first six verses there, we, we realize that he told them an illustration. He tells them this story about the sheep, and he's the door to the sheep and uh, the care, and there's some hirelings that are not caring for the sheep as he is the shepherd. And it says in verse 6, it says they use, Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. So then he starts to explain again. But in context, you need to understand, chapter 10 is in connection to chapter 9. In chapter 9 of the Gospel of John, There was a blind man that Jesus healed. He was blind from birth. Everyone knew it, and now he sees, and yet it happened on the Sabbath. And the religious leaders, those that were uh, Pharisees and Sadducees, that God shouldn't do this. He shouldn't be healing on the the Sabbath. This man can't be of God, and they caused division, uh, caused hardship, and all of this, and were Leading people away from the message that Jesus had. And they went to the blind man who was made well, and they said to him, uh, You know, how did this happen? He goes, I don't know. I was blind, now I see. And so now Jesus is talking about two types of, of people, two types of litter, uh, leaders, two types of groups. And he's describing that which is of the good shepherd, God's providence and care for the flock. And the hirelings, those that would lead people astray, referring to the Sadducees, the Pharisees. And so here in verse 8, he says, All whoever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. And again, he repeats, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. So Jesus here says, I'm the door. I'm going to put up on the screen a a, a picture of the sheepfold of of this time. A sheepfold is where the sheep would go at night. You see, out in Judean hillsides, there's a lot of rocks, uh, not a lot of pasture land. And the shepherds would sometimes gather several flocks together into one sheepfold. And as the rocks were there, there was an entrance, which was the gate And if I can get that up on the screen, the gate would be where the shepherd actually would lie down. Uh, The shepherd would lie in the opening, and the sheep would be inside in the evening. And that way the sheep couldn't get out, nor would a predator get in without going through the shepherd. the shepherd would lay down inside, or lay down at the door. And so when Jesus says, I am the door, of this sheep, it would be very familiar with this uh, uh, this population of individuals. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he shall be saved. It's a narrow way, a narrow gate that Jesus talks about. One way in, one way out, and it was through Jesus Christ. And then in verse ten, it says, "The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy." I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly you know, as we uh, you know as we look at this we're we're looking at God as shepherd in fact, in the old testament, God is shepherd psalm twenty three the Lord is my shepherd psalm seventy nine psalm eighty isaiah forty God is clearly The Almighty God is the shepherd of God's people. Now Jesus is going to be sharing that he is the shepherd. He is the door. He is the one caring for God's people. Now, uh, as we look at this, he says the word abundant, abundant life. Well, the word abundant actually is a Greek word, parisis, which means extraordinary, remarkable, exceptional, exceedingly valuable This extraordinary life that Jesus came to give to the people that would believe and go through him to the Father. We learn elsewhere in John that no one can get to the Father except through him. He says, I am the door here. Later, he says in John 14, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Now, our our pastor, Miles, last week, if you uh, were not here, He wrote a letter to us as a church, as expressing his heart of what God's been ministering to him. Now, Miles has been away for a uh, a month. He's been speaking all over the world. He's been on television, radio, and in his travel schedules, uh, just to, to know, to go internationally and to speak, and then time zone changes, and then come back and to be prepared for Sunday. It's just Uh, can be overwhelming and so in pacing himself he's done a lot of his international travel this past month and during this time God's been ministering to him he was on the radio this week television this week on different instances happening around San Diego but in his letter he shared his heart and he said this that God has been ministering to him to be a better shepherd that is more caring a leader that is ruthlessly focused and a messenger that has a double portion of God's anointing and power. You see, I, I just want to affirm with you as, as he gives this letter, now he's on vacation for a couple weeks, he'll be back. But we have a shepherd as, as um, you know, I've known Miles for 30 some odd years. I know him behind closed doors. I know his family and the privilege to know that he's a man of integrity, a man of honor, and a man committed to Jesus Christ. You see, this church is about Jesus Christ. It's not about the leaders. It's not about the rock. But we're wholly committed to Jesus Christ and the mission that he has for all of us. Our pastor is giving his life for this mission. Uh, he r- runs circles around the rest of the staff as far as his work ethic and all the disciplines and his focus on the mission. And his promise to us as a congregation is that he wants to be more of who God would have him to be in service to his Lord and the care of this flock. But I also want you to know that as a, a culture um, and as people, we're, we're lied to. Here we're, we're told that there's a liar who, I mean, uh, one who seeks to, uh, to kill and to destroy, to divide and cause division. In fact, I'll share this. It's in your study guide there. There's a quote I'm giving you in the statistics. I posted it on Facebook, and people have a hard time believing this. In fact, I invite you to go to the bookstore to Rockpile after the service and go pick up the book, The Good News About Marriage. Now, my PhD is actually in marriage and family. In my graduate studies, I go into the academic research and looking at the journals of marriage, and I found that this... In fact, if I ask you, what is the divorce rate in America? Most of you would say, oh, 50%. That's not even close to being true. The divorce rate is way less than that. Uh, It's a falsification of the statistics. You see, this past year, there were 27,536 marriages uh, that were uh, done in our county, marriage licenses. In our county last year, there were about 13,000 divorces. Well, there it is, 50%. But the challenge is, those divorces are not connected to those 27,000 marriages. In fact, many of those divorces are second marriages, third marriages, fourth marriages, fifth marriages that skew the statistic. In fact, the truth is, 72% of first-time marriages are still together, 80%, Of those that are married report they're happy with their marriage. The divorce rate in America actually has been on a decline. Divorce rate is on a decline. 93% or 92% there in your study guide, 93% of those who are married state that if they would marry again, they'd marry the same person. We've been told marriage doesn't work in America. In fact, when people start to struggle, they're thinking, well, 50% of marriages end in divorce, so we've been given a message that's not true to erode away of the hope and the the beauty of what God has designed. I've even heard that Christian marriages are also just the same in divorce rate as non-Christian marriages. That also isn't true. In fact, Christian marriages of those who are committed to their faith their divorce rate is 25 to 50% less. In fact, those that are most committed to their faith report their marriages being the happiest. But we have an enemy that wants to take away hope. Now, I, I bought a used car a couple of years ago. I, needed, I wanted to get an economy car, just going to and fro from work and home. And, and so I wanted something with good gas mileage. And so I was thinking, what should I get? It's going to be a used car. And so my name's Mickey, So, of course, what would be the best car? Mini. Okay, so Mickey, Mini, they go together. You'll figure it out later, Mickey, Mini. So I got a Mini. And when I bought the Mini, I'm I'm on the freeway, and I, I started to notice, wow, look at, I mean, it's like every third car to me seemed to be a Mini. I never noticed it before, but I started looking for it, started seeing it, and everywhere I looked, I saw Minis. The same thing, I I realize that when you're told to look for divorce, marriage doesn't work, you start to see it every way. But I have found when I look towards good marriages, those that are still together and thriving, not surviving, I find that. A vast majority of my friendships are people that have been married for quite a long time. Yes, the divorce rate for those who marry under 21 years of age has a higher level of divorce. Yes, those who live together prior to marriage have a higher divorce rate. But as a whole, marriage as an institution works. Now, I share that as an illustration. That we have an adversary that seeks to destroy, to kill, to draw us away from the life that God would have for us. This past week, we hear, hear about Robin Williams taking his life, struggling with depression. I, I read one article, his was an interview he had done, and he shared a number of years ago that there was this void in his heart, just an emptiness that nothing seems to fill. Well, I know in Scripture, the Bible describes that as a void that only God can fill. But I also know many Christians that struggle with depression. See, depression has many causes. Yes, dynamic part of depression can be spiritual but yes sometimes it's physiological hormonal it could be related to the thyroid gland it could be related to trauma but there's a spiritual voice sometimes speaking to people when they're down condemning saying it's hopeless you're worthless you're helpless you'll never survive through this give up and that's a spiritual voice that comes to so many people to pull us down. You see, Jesus is not just talking about the Sadducees and Pharisees. He's talking about a spiritual battle that's taking place. As God is our good shepherd, there's an adversary that seeks to devour, seeks to destroy. Now pick up with me here in verse 11 where he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him would not perish, have everlasting life. The gospel, he gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. flees, uh, And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I'm the good shepherd, Jesus repeats, and I know my sheep and am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. You see, Jesus reveals that God desires to be known and that we would know him for who he really is. Now I, I have a, a nephew who is a uh, in Special Forces. My family, we went up to Seattle for a week, vacation, and the in-laws and everyone there. All my wife's some of my wife's brother, uh, brothers and sisters were there, and one of the nephews is in special forces and we're hanging out and just talking to him. He goes, Man, I am made for this. I so love what I do. He says I jump out of planes with scuba gear. When we land, I shed the, you know, the parachute, and then I go and dive. We do night dives, night jumps, all of this. He's loving it. And now they're heading down to Africa. There's some terrorists that have captured some airports, and so they go in. He says, "Now, when we parachute in, three things. First, they must take care of. Said so when we land, number one." We need to know our location in relationship to the mission. Said number two, I need to know where the enemy is. And number three, I need to know where my buddy is. We look out for each other. We don't do this alone. I thought, what a beautiful picture of the mission of the church. It's not meant to be done alone. This life. Now we have what we call the life here at The Rock. It's a paradigm of this life of transformation. We have our life classes, our membership classes. I challenge you again that these classes, are, there's nothing we want from you as leaders who, who are in service to Christ here. It's what we want for you to discover the, the life that God offers. He says, come to me, all you that labor, that are heavy, heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Jesus, like he stands with arms wide open saying, come to me. And at the life class, we we learn about L is loving relationships. We're called to be in relationship with God, to love God with all our heart, and to love each other, to be connected in relationship. Right after the service in the lobby, right outside this door on the way to the Rockpile bookstore, we have our life groups uh, where we connect people to people. You know, I've had people tell me, you know, the rock is just, it's too big. There's traffic. And then I see them at a Padre game. Or they have season tickets to the Chargers. There's too much traffic. There's too many people. And I realized no, that's just an excuse because this church is not large. There are a lot of us here, but it's made up of small groups, home groups, life groups, ministry teams. For those that it's large, it's often I find because they're not connected, they're not in relationship. Loving relationships. The eye of the life is impacting ministry that you're called to for a purpose. And we want to help you discover your design. So there's assessments you do that teach you about yourself, your gifts, your calling to help you fulfill that which God created you for. F is for faithful stewardship. L-I-F, that not only are we called to a purpose, but we're stewards. Scripture is robust the teaching that we're accountable to God for our time, our talent, our treasure. And E, of course, is evangelizing the lost, the great commission. My wife's transformation from her background has been this transition through God's word and and through all the blessings that God gives us together to experience growth in these dimensions, in her relationships, her ministry, her stewardship, and sharing her faith, equipping her. And yet I realize, and I, I run into so many people. You see, Peter, in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 26, verse 58, Jesus was arrested, all the disciples scattered, and there's Peter. He's keeping an eye on Jesus, and it says, as Jesus was brought before Caiaphas in the courtyard, Matthew writes and records that Peter followed at a distance, looking at Jesus Christ. I know so many. Sometimes they've come to faith. They want eternal life. They love all of what God offers. And yet they're kind of at an arm's stiff arm, an arm's distance, following him at a distance because they want control of their life. And please hear my heart. In no way do I bring any sense of guilt or condemnation because God, again, there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. He's longing for us to have this abundant life. Again, abundant, extraordinary, remarkable, exceptional, exceeding the norm, the usual, just existing. God has so much more. My son, when he went to Costa Rica, came back and he tattooed the inside of his foot. Pura vida. In Costa Rica, pura vida. Pure life, chill, just living the life. Uh, My uh, Hawaiian friend says we call it the kind, the kind life. It's this life that God has for us, the pure life. Now, of course, the kind life, pure life apart from Christ is only probably just the chill. But God offers for us this life, and yet sometimes we get off mission. Sometimes we get off kilter to what God has for us. I have one of our uh, uh, production team. He's one of our cameramen, Chris. He just has a, a passion for people, wants to share the Lord. And so he says, you know, we're all so busy. Let's schedule lunch or dinner once a month. And let's all get together but for a ministry purpose. We'll fellowship together but let's tip extra on purpose to bless a needy individual. And so they research, they pray, and find single moms, single dads struggling. And then we go to restaurant, and there's a bunch of people connected. Even if you don't go, people chip in extra money. Well, last month or month before I went, and we went to a a lunch place here in Point Loma, probably 10 of us or so. The bill was maybe $120. They put all the tip money in a card, sharing the love of the Lord in a tactful, gracious way. And inviting people to the rock, but we're here for you praying. We know you have a need and just pray this blesses you. And we had collected $550. And so a tip, $550 for a $100 bill. Imagine a person experiencing this type of love, this type of sacrifice. You see, that's the mission we're on, that people would be loved, people would be cared for, that we, we attend to those around us. You have in your bulletin, or your study guide here, those three blanks, and let me encourage you, when Miles comes back, don't tell them, don't tell them and say, well, Mickey, when he was here, he said, stop going to church, stop serving the church, and stop getting into the Bible. Let me explain. Still go to church, still serve the church, still get into the Bible, but it's a perspective that sometimes we miss. When I say stop going to church, because church is not a destination. The church is the people. Stop going to church. Be the church. That we would be the people that God has designed us to be. That's the life he has that we, life's not meant to be done alone. We're better together. We need each other. Stop serving the church because sometimes you serve people. They're going to hurt you, wrong you, not get back to you. They're going to offend you. They're going to take advantage of you. If your eye is on people, they will let you down. Stop serving the church. Serve Jesus Christ. Serve Jesus. When you have your eyes on him and on things above, uh, you won't lose perspective. And three, stop getting into the Bible. Now my point here is, don't look at the scriptures as just information. The Bible was meant to transform us. It's living, it's active, it's alive. Get the Bible into you. As we experience this. Now there's a quote right below there by John Piper in his book Desiring God. He says, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him, it's experiencing Him. I I, I got a, a page, or I mean, a call from the fire department. I serve as a chaplain for San Diego Fire and Police Departments, and it was a, a, a two-month-old Sid's death at a childcare, a daycare facility down in San Ysidro. When I, I went to be with the firefighters, I mean, when you're doing compression, CPR on a two-month-old. It rocks your world. Then I went to the daycare center to be with the family, and what an honor for me to love them on behalf of the Lord, but then to point across the freeway as we looked out her backyard, and there was San Ysidro High School. And I said, we're starting a church there that people are committed to love and to serve. We want to be there for you. Now, I had a firefighter that over the years got to know him. As a chaplain, I represent a Christian faith. And I'd go to fire stations. Sometimes he'd be there and he'd give me a hard time. This one time, I mean, literally just making fun of me, your faith, and where's God in this, and always pushing on me. And so I, you know, it's just like, you know, do you have issues or what, you know? Well, he's a womanizer, he was a Vietnam vet. Um, just a man's man and all of this. Well, this one day, I get a call from him. He said, chaplain, I need to talk to you. Uh, I said, sure, when, when do you want to come in? I, I need to talk to you now. I need to come in today. I said, uh, sure, uh, you know, I'm free this afternoon. Come on in. He goes, I'll be there. So he comes in, sits down in my office, and I'm expecting him maybe to do CPR on my face or something. You know, it's just like, uh, he sits down in a chair doesn't say a word and all of a sudden he buries his face in his hands and starts weeping he says I've destroyed my life I've destroyed my family my kids won't talk to me anymore I've lived for myself and now look what I've done and he said I need God how do I get God in my life how do I get saved now as a pastor when fish come jumping in the boat it's like <laughs> fishing's good here you know And so I I share with him, I said, you know, it's not about what you do for God, but it's what he's already done, that you need to confess that Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, and you're saved. It's by faith. By God's grace, we're saved through faith. And explain the gospel, that it's not through more effort, not through covering up your past, but it's through this work of the cross, nothing but the blood of Jesus Christ that we enter into this relationship, and by faith, God receives us. I led him in a prayer. He receives the Lord. I gave him some study materials, gave him a Bible, and we kept connecting, and he's going back to the stations on fire for Jesus. He's telling everybody about his faith, his change, and everyone's like, if he can change, God can change anybody. (laughs) Then he contacts me. A while later, he was doing work overtime, will work, working at another station, and He starts sharing his faith with all the other firefighters there. And one of them says, Nick, I'm a Christian too. I'm a Christian too. Praise the Lord. Nick said, he just pointed his finger at this guy. Said, I've known you for 25 years. Not once did you ever tell me about Jesus Christ. Shame on you he lowered his head and said, you know, I've been embarrassed. You know, it's just working here and everything, and I'm not real close with God. And Nick was able to bring him back to a closer place with the Lord. And maybe that's you. And I, I don't say shame on you. I just want so much more for you. I look at my wife and see what God has done in her life. Because she took that step to say, God, take me, all of me. I belong to you. She's got involved with the relationships. She got involved with the calling and gifts and ministry and her stewardship over her life. She did what the Bible said, and God prom- His promises are fulfilled in her life. Finish with this last quote here. It's on the if you flip your study guide over by Henry Skogel, Yes, in 1600s he wrote this. It's a book called The Life of God in the Soul of Man. The Life of God and the Soul of Man to me is probably a great summary of the Christian faith. He wrote this book actually as a, he's trying to explain Christianity to a friend. This book was what influenced uh, people like George Whitefield and others who led to the great awakening in our country. This man influenced the United States of America through his reflections, his writing. He spoke five languages. He was a professor of theology, a pastor, and he died at 28 years of age of tuberculosis. This man had a relationship with the living God, and he said, the worth and excellency of a soul is to be measured by the object of its love. We are most satisfied when we seek God's pleasure above our own, and we gradually become conformed to what we most love and admire. We do not exist for ourselves. We exist for the Father and through the Son. Our souls become emaciated when pleasure is affixed to our position, possessions, and power because these things are destined to corrupt and perish. If you're following at a distance, your affections have gone in another direction, I want to encourage you, come home, come back to that first love. You see, John, at the end of his life, at 90 years old, he pens a letter to a church there in Ephesus. 60 years after John 10 takes place, these words still reverberating in John's life, where he writes here in your study guide, this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. There's a definite article there that it could say the life. He who has the Son has the life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. These things I've written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. I'm gonna ask that we don't rush out real quick to the next activity of the day but we pause because I know that here in this congregation there are those of you maybe that as yet you don't, you're don't you not right with God. He's just a prayer way. And I want to give you an opportunity to connect with God by faith just as we, we read that he who has the Son has life. It's a life. To receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Or maybe you're One of those that, you know, you were once close, but now you're you're following at a distance. Your life's not working. Relationships are struggling, you're angry, you're you know, you're going back to old patterns of life. You've drifted. Even last night, perhaps you just were not where you know you need to be, and yet you find yourself here today. Don't hide, don't deny it, don't cover up. The scripture says we we need each other to bear each other's burdens. So I'm gonna pray. And I ask you to pray a prayer with me. And and as you pray, I want you to listen to the Lord's prompting of your heart because he'll speak to you by his Holy Spirit. He's been speaking to many of you here tonight where he wants you to be and what he has for you. Would you bow your heads with me and, and pray? Lord, I just pray you guard our hearts from religion. duty and obligation, the guilt and shame that sometimes comes from a hireling, the words that come to us that lead us towards depression, times we feel condemned and worthless, when all along the good shepherd you say that I am the bread of life, I am the good shepherd, I am the light of the world, I am the resurrection and the life, you are God you're our healer you're our redeemer you're our provider i pray for all that are here as our heads are bowed eyes are closed if god's been drawing you to a place where you know you need to be would you just in the quietness of your heart pray this prayer and say jesus i i do believe i believe that you died on a cross for my sins i I just want to ask you to forgive me of my sins. The choices I make that I would have life. Abundant life. Lord, cleanse me of my past. Wash me. Give me a a new start. I don't understand it all, but I know, God, you're there. You're so real. And so I ask in faith that you would come and take possession of my life as my shepherd. That I want to walk through the door of Jesus Christ and be under your care. So in the best way I know how, God, I I give my life to you. I give my life to you and pray that you would receive me. As heads are bowed, eyes are closed, if you prayed that prayer, as we started on our knees tonight in a place of posture of humility, it's a humble thing to admit that you're not where you need to be. And it's, it's, a, it's a humble thing to admit that, Lord, I, I want to be honest with you, transparent, in front of my friends and family. So if you prayed that prayer and God spoke to you tonight, that he wants you closer into his heart and I ask you to go ahead and stand right where you are and ask that we don't rush out. Stand up right where you are to acknowledge that you're serious about your relationship with Jesus Christ. Stand. Stand. God bless you. Anybody else? Don't hold back. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you, sir.